thank you, God, for that. Every time we grow, he prunes us so we can grow even more. Uh, it's a process, right? Um, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken into you. And that word clean there is the same word as prunes. So you're already pruned because of the word I've spoken into you. So what does that mean? The Lord plants in our heart in every season of our life the word that we need for as where we're going. He plants nutrients in, in the soil of our experiences that will create and draw stuff inside of us that we need, that we may not need in the moment, but we will need at some point in time. Does everyone hear me? He, we are already pruned because of the word he's already planted inside of us. So when the Lord called us, he gave us a new name. He put his purposes in our, in, in our hearts, and then he sent his word into us that's already pruning us from the past until now. He's the, he's the God who doesn't live from past to present. He lives from present and goes, behind, goes backwards. And so he speaks to us, not as who we are right now, but he speaks to us as who we will be in the future. So he declares things over us that we will need as we grow. That's why it says the steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. Well, how are they ordered? Because he planted his word inside of us that was seed that has begun to grow inside of us that naturally causes us to take specific paths in our life. Did you hear me? Have you ever wondered, how did I get here? Like, how, how did I find my wife as a waitress at Chili's? How did that even happen? How did Matt end up in Irving and fall in love with Belinda and she fell in love with him? How did all those things in your life line up to where you got there? How did you get the job that you're in? Like, think back. How did this even happen? If you're ever worried and discouraged about the future and but that it doesn't look like what you want it to, think back and say, well, I don't know how I even got to this point. God... The way this happens, the, the reason that I stumbled in one day and saw the most beautiful woman in the world was God had planted his word, his purposes in my heart when I said yes to him and even before I was formed and I naturally ended up where I was supposed to be. He ordained my steps by the word he planted inside of me and it pruned me and set us up for the seasons of life. So we'll come back to that in a minute because I don't want to uh, skip over, but that's a really important thing. We are already pruned because of the word he's planted inside of us. That's why it's really important that one of our highest values is for the word of the Lord, whether it's the Bible, whether it's through the preaching, through song, through the person on the street who declares the word of the Lord over us and they didn't even know it. But for us to recognize the word of the Lord and to hold close to it, David knew it was the secret. If your word, O oh Lord, I've hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you. And, and, you know, Mary heard the word of the Lord through the angel. I put a, f it's, I, I, I hate, I'm sorry, if this offends you, I'm sorry. The song Mary, Did You Know, always drives me nuts. Because I'm like, Mary definitely knew. An angel came to her and told her what was going to happen. She absolutely knew. So why are we singing this ridiculous song that has no purpose? And it, it's just funny to me, and I don't really hate the song. I mean, it's a pretty song. My kids are like, Dad, play Mary, did you know by the, what's the weird band, uh, some Tronic something, I don't know. Pentatonics, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not playing Mary, did you know. You want to listen to Taylor Swift? Okay. But I'm not doing Mary, did you know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, she knew. And when, when the Lord spoke through the angel to her, she recognized it as the voice of the Lord. And the Bible says that she said, be it unto me 
Or in other words, okay to what you said. Absolutely, I say yes to it. And, and she hid it in her heart. I think back to when Joseph was the dreamer, and he had dreams of the stars and the, and, the, and the wheat bowing down and worshiping him. And he tells his father, and all his brothers got angry and jealous of him, right? And what did it say about his father? But his father hid it in his heart and remembered it. The father remembered the dream. Why? Because that's the way the Lord does things. He plants things inside of us. And when we honor the word of the Lord, we, we hold it close to us and we create an atmosphere that causes it to, to bring about what he sent it to do. Jeremiah says that his word doesn't go, come from heaven to earth and not return without fulfilling the purpose that it was sent to perform. That's Isaiah. But in Jeremiah says he's watching over his word to perform it. So it's really important that we recognize the word of the Lord. I, I think back to so many times in my life when someone would give me a word or say something to me that didn't mean anything at the time. And then I look back and I'm like, wow, that was one of the most important moments of my life and I didn't even know it. Anyone ever that's ever happened to you like that was really important. And you're 14 years later and that word comes to you or that weird sentence that someone said to you. It seemed out of context. All of a sudden the Lord's saying, see, I planted, I pruned you back then for now. I prepared you. It's just the way the Lord does it. And so um, really honor the word of the Lord and make place for him. He says, if if uh, if you abide in me and I abide in you, uh, <clears throat> the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And those who abide in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. If anyone does not abide in me, then he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. I don't want to be thrown away and dry up. And they gather them. And then it's worse after that, after you dry up. They gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words, my word abides in you, the word abides. <laughs> Sorry, it's an old movie reference that I've never seen, but I know the line. My father is glorified by this. <laughs> the dude abides. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, so that you prove that you're my disciples. How do we prove we're his disciples? We hide his word in our heart. We're already pruned or cleaned by the word inside of us. It causes us to bear much fruit, and it proves that we're his disciples. So just as the Father has loved me, I also love you. So abide in my love. And we'll be done with that for now, right? <clears throat> Mandy, Mandy mentioned it. God is the gardener. He gardens our heart. He prepares things. But I, I, want, I want us, for the purposes of today, to realize that we also co-garden with him in our heart. We manage the soil of our heart. We manage the attitude. We manage the seasons of our life. We may not even realize it, but we go through good seasons, bad seasons, prosperous seasons, seasons of lack. We go through all of this, yet in every one of those seasons, we are co-gardeners with God. And I was thinking back this week of how the Lord has hidden all through my life nutrients that I needed that I didn't know, but I see fruit from now. One of, I'll give you a testimony. Um, January uh, 4th, starting in, in 2015, we're going to launch the next phase of our three-year vision that we planned, where we said we're going to build foundations in 2014. Then we're going to do, we, we call it the, the Daniel Project, but it's really different. It's the Transformation Project is really what it is, to where we're going to learn to be transformers, where we're more than meets the eye, and, and we shift atmosphere, and we change things. And so I've had this love affair 
for a, a while with Daniel and with Joseph and with Esther, those three Old Testament people. And I, and I haven't always known exactly why. I just knew I, I love the story. I could talk about Daniel and the three Hebrew children and Esther and Joseph all day long. I, there's something in there that just is attra- I'm attracted to it. And so I was thinking back, and <clears throat> the Lord reminded me, and I was telling Matt about this earlier. In 1998 or so, it was, it was a really dark season of my life. I didn't want to live anymore. I was really frustrated and upset with who I was, with everything that was going on. And I, I was hopeless. How can you be hopeless as a 23 or 24-year-old? But I was. And we had a man in our church. His name was Jim McMillan. He was from Australia. He had been at, on staff at Hillsong Church. Um, as a matter of fact, Al Fury was, was is friends with Brian Houston from Hillsong Church. So all through our life, we've rubbed shoulders with some of these amazing men of God. And, and the Lord has deposited things in our life each time we've come in contact with these people. And I just want to remind you of this, of, of the importance of the seasons of our life. Uh, as a matter of fact, Kyle and Matt and the, the band got to play with one of the, the, the lead guitar players from the Hillsong band, who was also in Air Supply when he was younger, came to our church and became friends with this guy. His name is David Moisey. And uh, just things like this happen, and we're young men. We just thought it was cool we get to rock out with this guy because he played the guitar and did things that we didn't know was possible, right? And he can make it sound like, dude, our sound system has never sounded like it when, when we played through it, but... We just were having fun. And I realize now the Lord was depart, depositing things inside of us in those seasons that we didn't even know of. These were giants that we were rubbing shoulders with. And they were depositing his word inside of us and experiences and victories that they won that we didn't even fight the battle. And they were depositing them inside of us just by iron sharpening iron, just by rubbing shoulders with these men. And so I remember this man, Jim McMillan, uh, again from Hillsong Church came and he was on staff at my dad's church for a while and he took me one day he goes Jared you're going with me I want you to come meet somebody and I, I could use an Australian term I couldn't be stuffed going with him right I did not want to go I wanted to stay at the church I, I didn't want to go meet somebody I didn't know and he's like no you're getting in the car and we're driving to Lindale Texas and I want you to meet a man named Winky Prattney and I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Winky Prattney, but if you haven't, you need to look him up. If you're interested in youth with a mission or um, youth revival around the world, Winky Prattney is one of the greatest youth evangelists ever. Um, he's written countless books, discipleship programs. He's from New Zealand. He's a Kiwi, and he's one of the greatest youth evangelists ever. And Jim McMillan, in one of the darkest seasons of my life, picked me up, made me get in a car, ride with him to Lindell, Texas, and I got to go into the home of one of the greatest youth evangelists that our planet's ever known, Winky Prattney. I walk in, I'm having allergies and I don't feel well. This is my first encounter with him. He says, hello, he sees that I have allergies. He's kind of a mad scientist, herbalist kind of guy. And he goes, I've got something for you. It'll clear up your allergies. I was like, I'll take it, man, because I, I am miserable right now. He goes in and brings this dropper. He says, open up your mouth. He puts a couple of drops under my tongue. It's it's all some of the world's hottest peppers with garlic and onions and some other concoction mixed in and juiced. And he puts it under my tongue, and it, it doesn't really burn or anything. And within 10 minutes, my whole head cleared up. And he goes, see, I told you. I get to meet this guy, so I'm already sold. Like, this guy made my allergies go away. I, I'm kind of having fun here. Not only that, his son comes in, who is now his co-partner in his revival um, campaign and works with him. Winky Prattney's son co-writes books with him now. He comes in from playing tennis, and I get to meet him. And 
I'm 23 years old. I have no idea who these people are I'm meeting. I just think it's kind of cool, and this guy's a little bit wacky, right? He's a little bonkers. I'm like, he, he's kind of strange, but so he starts opening his heart to us and telling us the things God's doing. And I do remember sitting on the couch for, we were there for probably two or three hours, and he just began to share with us testimonies of what God was doing, what God was saying in the middle of the darkest season of my life to this point. Then he starts telling me of a new book he's writing called The Daniel Files. All right? The Daniel Files. And I'm like, okay, cool. He starts telling us about it. And it, it talks about being healthy. And, and it talks about being healthy spiritually and physically. And all these different things. Different chapters of the Daniel Files. And he hadn't finished the book at the time. And he goes, as a matter of fact, I'll be right back. He goes into his room, into his office. And he grabs the manuscript of the Daniel Files. And he gives it to me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, this is really cool. At the time, I didn't really like to read like I do now. But I read the book. And I was like, this is awesome. Thank you. I didn't know then what I know now. This week, I think it was Tuesday, and remember I've encouraged you to have weekly sozos. This was my sozo this week. The Lord brought back to memory Winky Prattney to me, and I've talked about him through the years and, and this encounter, but he brought to me the, the severity and the importance of what happened then. He said, Jared, why are you so interested in transformation? Why are you so interested in Daniel? Why does that thing keep coming up? He said, because in your darkest season of your life at the time, I planted the seed inside of you, a hunger for the life of Daniel. There's something in it for your destiny. You didn't even know and appreciate it at the time. But now, 16 years later, you're launching your church into a direction that was being poured into you 16 years ago that you didn't even know about. And I just want you to know that God does this for all of us. He's planted and he, everything that we need for where we are in life and for tomorrow. He's already planted it inside of us. The stuff, I, that's all I can think about is you're already ready right now. It's already implanted inside of us. There's no waiting for tomorrow. There's no perfecting, perfecting this thing or becoming perfect or becoming better at it. There's none of that. It's only do it or don't do it. The world does not celebrate people who are perfect. The world celebrates people who try stuff. They try. The greatest inventors were people that failed thousands of times before they got it right. And they did not allow every failure to cause them to feel like a failure or to allow the rumors and the, the arguments and the people talking, man, they just keep failing. That, they're crazy. They'll never make anything out of their life. That, why are they trying to be an artist? What is this big deal with painting? Why, why are you so enamored with painting? It's, you'll never amount to anything. Yet they paint these pictures that we still love and worship 400 and 500 years later. There were things that were being pulled up inside of people. And they didn't allow the failures to cause them to stop trying something. As a matter of fact, if you'll ask all the greatest inventors, if we could pull them up from the dead and ask them, they would say every time that they failed, they just learned a lesson. They learned what not to do next time. That was it. They didn't see it as failure. They saw it as, I learned something. I have that conversation all the time with my kids. Like, you're in school. It's okay if you fail on a paper. It's okay if you make a 27, Josiah. It's not, you're learning a completely new concept you've never heard of before. We don't expect you to already get 100 on it, or you wouldn't be in school learning. The goal, you may make a 17 on your first paper on division because you've never done division before. But if you'll, you'll do better next time, and you'll do better next time, and then you'll do better and you'll have a good score on the report card, which I don't really care about the score on the report card. I care that you learned what you needed to learn. 
And some of us, it takes us a while. We're going to fail and stumble, but we're not failing. We're learning. We're learning. We're learning something. And so all the things that you need are already inside of you. So try. Go for it. Go for it. Is everyone hearing me? Go for it. What are you waiting for? Well, I, I, could, I could really mess up. Well, then try something that won't make such a big mess. I'm going to say that again. If, if the fear ever comes over you, like, I'm afraid if I really do this, it's going to blow everything up, then find something that's less hazardous and try it. If, if Let's just use something that, if you feel like you want to become good at prophecy, don't get up in front of a big crowd of people and give your first prophecy. If you're afraid of failing, practice on your husband or your wife, where if you fail, it's not such a big mess. The mess is okay, but I'm talking about for you, the fear of failure. Hello? If you're thinking about going on a business adventure and you want to launch a new business and you're scared and the Lord hasn't told you to quit your job and start that, then practice a less hazardous way of moving towards having your own business. Don't just sell everything you have and throw it all in, push your chips to the middle of the table and you're all in on something that you don't really know yet. But don't sit there and wait. And Oh, someday I'm going to have my own business. I, I, really, I want to say this right now. I, I honor, I see what you're doing, Matt, with building the, he builds coasters and woodworking. It's a dream in his heart for something that he's not even doing in his work right now. But he has dreams for other things. And because he's a man who has responsibilities to provide for family, he's doing a really smart thing right now. He's taking a risk and getting on the internet and selling coasters and woodworking things that's preparing him for something later. I know it is. I don't know what it is, but I know it may not even have to do with woodworking, but it's, prepare, it's the risk that's preparing you. And instead of sitting there saying, oh, I'll never get there, or I'll be working in this job forever, he says, you know what? I can make wood coasters at home and sell them on the internet to learn business. I can, I can do this. It's smart. It's brilliant. And it's a risk, and I honor your risk. I honor it. I love that you went back to work, babe, and, and, and are going for it. I love the risk that I'm seeing that's you don't even know, man. If my, my wife saved the school, I'll tell you right now. She's, she saved the school. The, the school has gone through turmoil this last year. And I know for a fact God planted my wife and, and me in that school to make a difference. I know it. Because if anyone else was in there, it wouldn't have turned out the way it turned out. I know that. i give a quick backstory. Just some chaotic um, evil news reports came out that were not true about the school and about the principal, vice principal. And we fought it. Um, actually someone that I know broke the story. Um, I confronted them on it. I actually had a meeting with them on their lack of journal, journalistic integrity. Um, really let them have it because it could cost people jobs. The school district did not want to back up those, the school and the principal, asked for the resignation. Lawyers got involved, but because Mandy and some teachers stood up and prayed and interceded, stood up and told what was right because I stood up and took a risk and went to the head of this news place and let him have it for doing the story. And we began to fight for what was right. It turned the situation around. The, the school district backed off. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm trying not to tell all the details, but it matters that where we're planted and it matters that we take a chance. I usually sit there and just gripe about this stuff. Ask my wife. 
I'll gripe about news. I'll gripe about the stuff going on, about race relations. I'm like, we don't hate each other. Well, I'm tired of saying to my wife, we don't hate each other. I'm going to get out and start talking to people and say, hey, I don't hate you. You don't hate me, do you? Let's tell everybody that we don't hate each other. We don't hate each other, do we? We don't hate each other. We don't hate each other. Let's tell everybody, I don't hate black people. I don't hate white people. I don't hate Hispanic people. Let's take a risk. <laughs> we love everyone. But, but instead of sitting around complaining and twirling our thumbs like someday it's going to be better, someday something's going to happen, let's take a risk. If we're scared to take a really big risk and make a big mess, do something. <laughs> Do something. Don't, don't hide behind the keyboard and Facebook. Let's do something. Let's get out. Let's show our face. Let's let our voice be heard. Amen? Amen. You've got to press against the thousand-pound rock. I'm still Bill's illustration. Bill Johnson uses this, the first, one of the first messages I heard. He brought this up. That if we don't press against the thousand-pound rock that seems unmovable, that we can't move, then we would never know that we could push easily push aside the 200-pound rock next to it. If we don't use the, the pain of pressing against the 1,000-pound rock that's unmovable, then we would never know that we could just easily throw aside the easier rocks, the smaller rocks. And sometimes we look at the big rock and we're like, oh, I can't do that. Try anyway. Just press against it. But I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change this situation. Do something. Press against it. You may not be able to change it right now. It may not shift right now. But tomorrow when a smaller problem pops up, your muscles will be ready to just slap the thing out of the way. You wouldn't know that you could do that if you didn't try the impossible. And one of these days, those 1,000-pound rocks are going to move. And we'll have 2,000-pound rocks that we'll look at. And we'll go, man, that's twice as big as a 1,000-pound rock. And we'll go and we'll push with all of our might against the 2,000-pound rock. God honors the risk that's involved. Just please, don't just sit here. Don't just sit here. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to everyone. I'm talking to the Bridge Church at large. We cannot just sit here. I'm reminded of the story of the, the three lepers, two or three lepers. Again, things come to me from up here. And, and there was a famine in the land. And they came up and they stumbled on this village that was completely... Uh, abandoned and there was food everywhere i mean it was like a buffet up there they had every kind of food all over the place and these three lepers who were outcasts from their village stumble into this other village with the buffet of all time right and they're looking at this first buffet and they ate till they were sick they're eating as much as they can and after they're done eating they looked at each other and they said it would be so wrong for us to have all this food here and not go tell our village, not go tell our other people. And I feel that about us now. We can eat the blessings of the Lord and we can in, enjoy, but it would be so wrong for us to sit here and wait for Him to, to do something. God, send food to our village when we know where the food is right now. We have the food. It's like when, when the disciples, Jesus says, hey, uh, why don't you feed them? Like, what are we going to feed them with? He's like, I don't know, figure it out. You feed them, what do you have? Well, we've got five loaves and two fish. There's no way that'll feed 5,000 people. Oh, that's enough. It's the risk. It's the, it's the, hey, we'll give what we do have. It would be wrong for us to sit here and do nothing. I may only have five loaves and two fish. It may not be enough to feed 5,000 people. But if I don't offer it through sacrifice, if I don't take a chance, then it will never do anything. 
How many have ever had a need or there's a thing going on in the family and you've thought, well, what I have won't really fix that need? Like, it's just not enough. That is not kingdom thinking. That's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ never starts with, oh, it's not enough. The mind of Christ says, what do you have in your hand? Oh, I have this rod. Well, stretch the rod out over the sea and it will part for you. It's, it's a different way of thinking. It's, it, we're never in lack. But if we sit here and we just wait and twirl our thumbs and hope and pray that someday things will be different, yet we're sitting here with a staff or five loaves and two fish and we don't take a risk, then we'll be sitting there five years from now with five loaves and two fish that are decayed and old and a staff that's not worth anything any longer because we're afraid to take a risk. This morning when we were praying, Matt brought up David and how God called David to bring the lunch to, to the, his brothers, but he was really on his way to fight Goliath, you know. And in this, it began to speak to me. I've been guilty of saying, well, my responsibility is to bring the food. The giant's not my responsibility. My job is to do this one thing. I'm going to do this one thing that the Lord asked me to do. And I'm completely oblivious to, to my destiny calling over here. Has anyone else ever been there before? Like, we've, we're, we're, it feels like we're doing busy work. But we're not, the Lord never gives us busy work. We're always on our way to something. And you never know when you're doing busy work. And the Lord's calling you to defeat a giant that's there. Don't let the, the lunch, the delivery of the lunch, keep you from trying to fight an enemy who's talking against God like David sometimes when we do these gift uh, evaluations and, and whatever mine always com- responsibility is always one of my top gifts I feel responsible for things when I'm driving down the road if there's traffic and, and I think of a better way to fix it I feel like it's my responsibility to fix the traffic on the road if I could just get out of this car and tell everyone what to do, there would be no traffic. Or if, if I'm at the store and, and something's just not in order, it's not working right, I feel responsible, like I can fix this. Everywhere I go, I feel responsible. And there's a, that's a good thing, but it also can be a really bad thing. Now, you can feel really bad about yourself, too, if you feel like you're responsible for everything. If things don't go well, then you can feel, oh, it's my fault or whatever. And so I'm having to, to realize, okay, I am responsible for these things, but I'm destined for other things. I can't allow what I'm responsible for to keep me from what I'm destined for. It doesn't mean I abandon my responsibilities. It means I do them well, but I keep my eye out for other opportunities. I keep my eye out for giants that I can go after. And I just wanted to speak to the heart of the church today to stir up inside of us a desire to pursue God, a desire for us to take risks, a desire for us to press against the impossible. To just do something. We might as well do something while we're doing nothing. <laughs> right? What is that from? Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Thank you. We might as well do something while we're doing nothing. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. <laughs> does, it, does, this, does this hit you today? You feel this today? So don't just hear it today. Let's go for it. What's something you've been scared to go after in your family? 
Why are you scared? You scared of failing? You can't fail when you love. When you're motivated by love with your family, you will never fail. One of the one of the sozos from a, maybe three weeks ago or four weeks ago was concerning my family and my family legacy, and I've always I've had this um, rose-colored perspective of of my whole family legacy, and I'm starting to see some things that um, are weaknesses. It's, I, I'm getting older; I'll be forty next year, and just thinking about my life and how, you know what, I, I love what my dad has and my mom has, but that's, that's not what God called me to. And, and without any disrespect for what they have, I feel like the Lord's called me to more. And I feel I would disrespect my father if I didn't go after more than what he has. And I know my dad would feel that way. If my dad knew that I was praying prayers to only get what he had, he would kick me in the rear. He would say, why are you asking for what I have? I was watching a show called Gold Rush. Anyone ever watch Gold Rush on Discovery? I love that show. I want to go work for him. But I want to work for the kid. And I want to work for the Hoffmans. (laughs) <laughs> yeah vision did, did anyone see this last episode with with the grandpa and the son Man, I cried the whole time they have a grandpa who's 94 years old who started gold mining when he was 68 and he he's turned over his gold mining to his grandson who's his favorite person in the world and they're just telling the story of how it all happened and if you've never seen it, you need to do this. You need to find the episode somehow and watch it. And just watch how the grandpa reacts when his grandson walks in the room. Parker! And he gets, just starts crying and happy. And Parker! And he just gets so happy to see his grandson. And his grandson feels the same way. And just, they love each other. There's such love there. And the son and the relationship that they all three have together. And I was sitting watching this going... This is, I recognize this with my family. This is like my family. And I'm, I'm in love with the story. And the, the mom, the, uh, Parker's mom, um, starts talking about um, how awesome it is to watch the grandfather, the son, and the grandsons working together for the same goal and purpose together. And how it brings them together. And how that it's a really special thing to see three generations working towards a common cause. And all I can think about is, I'm part of one of those things. I, I'm actually part of four generations that are still alive, working toward the cause of telling the world that God's a good God. I have my grandfather and my father and myself and my sons. We're, we're all working together on these heavy machinery, pulling out the gold in people. And I just sat here and began to think about, you know what? How could I ever be discouraged when I'm doing what my grandfather wanted me to be doing? How could I ever be discouraged when I'm pulling gold out of the ground that my grandfather paid for? 
the, the, the grandson's 20 years old. And last year, he pulled out over $1.5 million in gold from the ground. Right now, there will be weeks where he gets 220, 230 ounces of gold. That is more than his grandfather got in one year as a gold miner. And his grandfather comes there and he lights up because he sees his grandson making in one week what it took him a year to do. And he celebrates it. And he says, grandson, go for it. Go for it. Don't wait. Take a risk. They'll dig somewhere. There'll be bad ground. There won't be any gold there. The grandfather won't say, oh, just give up. He's like, well, let's go dig over here. Let's look over here. Let's see what's in the ground in this place. And if that fails, we'll try again. And you'll never know if you don't try. And I just feel that in my heart for us as a church. For me, maybe I'm just cheering myself on today. We've got to try. We've got to try. We've got to get up, dust our rear end off. Maybe you've been through a really tough battle. Maybe you've been cut and beaten by the bear that you're fighting or the, the giant you're fighting. It's okay. Get up and fight again. Get up and fight again. I'll close with this. There's a story where David and his mighty men come to their village and their village has been raided. It's been burned. The women and the children have been taken hostage and the, the place is just ransacked. And David is upset and his mighty men are really upset with him as well. You're our leader. How could you let this happen to our village? Our women and our children have been taken hostage. And David falls on his face and cries out to God, tears his clothes and begins to cry out to God. And right after he cries out to God, God tells him to get up and go after and pursue. So he rallies his troops, his his mighty men, and they get together. And they go into battle with the people who stole from him and pillaged his village. And guess what happened to David and his mighty men? They got their butts kicked. They got destroyed. They got slaughtered. So David goes to God again and cries out, God, do we go again? They just beat us down. Do we pursue them again? And God says, yeah, go after them again. Can you imagine? Do you know what it takes for us who are being wounded? And maybe we're losing. It seems like we're losing a war, but we're not. We're losing a battle for us to get up and dust ourselves. Like, well, that sucked. <laughs> All right. Well, God, do we go again? He's like, yeah, go again. And we wait for and he tags us and we jump in and go for it. Jump off the, the top ropes and we're in it again. And that's what David did. And they went into battle again, and they won this time. But there's just something valuable for you and I to get up. Maybe we've been hurt taking risks, or maybe we've messed up, or maybe we feel like we failed, but we haven't. We just learned something. We learned some painful lessons. But I hear the Lord saying, get up, dust yourself off, and go for it again. Go for it again. Be be stupid. Go for it again. Is that, is that good for anyone? Is that, would you stand? Lord, <laughs> we need courage. Many of us feel like the cowardly lion. <laughs> God, I ask now that you would impart into us a heart of courage and a heart of risk. Help us to be great risk takers. We are not cowards. We will not allow wounds and disappointments to condition us. Listen to me. Do not allow wounds and disappointments to condition you, to keep you from trying. 
Father, we learn from every one of these battles. We learn to keep our guard up here. And we learned not to turn our back here. And we learned to be quiet here. And we learned to listen better here. But we learned something valuable in every one of these seasons, God. And right now, we stand up, we put our shoulders back, and we stand in the full armor of God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come now and empower us with boldness. (laughs) Nothing is impossible. Why don't you say that? Nothing is impossible. Why don't you pray for your neighbor? Just pray a prayer of boldness and courage over him. Yeah. Thank you, God. We release boldness and courage. Boldness and courage. Not foolishness, but boldness and courage. (laughs) Be strong and courageous. I declare everyone in this house, everyone connected to the bridge, will be strong and courageous. We have not failed. We've only learned lessons. Father, in these seasons where we've learned, we know that nutrients have been deposited into the soil of our heart that we call to fruition now. We call those things to produce fruit in our lives. I declare that every season of our life would produce this fruit in us now. That the word you planted in us then will begin to produce fruit in us now. Maybe it was something we learned 16 years ago or 25 years ago or three months ago. I ask that you would call forth the fruit of the seed that you've planted inside of us, God. In every season, you don't quit gardening us. You continually garden and prune and sow into us. So, Father, we call for the fruit. We call for the fruit to come. Jesus' name. Now I want to activate us. The only way for, for the word um, to, to serve us well is for it to be activated. For us to not only hear it, but to put it into some form of practice. So what we need to do is when we leave from here, you need to have a plan of activation. Where you ask the Lord to begin to reveal to you and to strengthen those nutrients and to stir them up into fruit. <clears throat> but then you, now you need to set some goals. You need to dream with God. Ask him, what do I need to go after? What's mine that's already in my account that I need to take possession of? So we can claim we have all the things that Jesus paid for at the cross, and that's true. 
So now we need to go apprehend it. I love how Paul says, uh, I'm going after this thing that has apprehended me. I haven't attained it yet, but I'm going, I press forward. I press toward the calling, the high calling of Jesus Christ. There's this thing inside of us that we've got to go after something. Look for a lion to kill with your bare hands. Look for a bear to go after while you're delivering the lunch in a monotonous, boring thing where you feel like you're being treated less than you are. Look for a giant while you're there. Amen. So I don't know if you need to write down a note or put a note in your phone or a reminder in your phone, but you need to find something to conquer. You need to find a place to take a risk. Set an alarm. I mean, seriously, I, I'm going to do this from now on. The way, the way I'm going to close it out before, before we hand it off for prayer is I'm going to ask you to find some way to activate the Word from today in, in your life this week. Otherwise, it's just another sermon. Look, I don't even remember what, I, what was preached on last week, except for I do because Kyle preached. <laughs> it was about justice. But when it's me, I don't remember week to week. I just don't remember. It doesn't mean that the Word doesn't matter to me. But when I activate it and I'm actively putting it into practice, I don't forget the principles of the Lord. I don't care if you remember sermons. I know anyone that speaks, they don't care. To, I don't care to ever be quoted. I don't care about that. What I do care about is that you active, activate the word of the principles in your life and that it creates change. Amen? So find something to take a risk. Something maybe you've been afraid of for a while. You're young. Nothing's impossible, Jacob. Now, I don't even, I can't even tell you, like, when I look at you, there, it's like not a clear thought. It's not a clear perspective of what I see for you. I just get excited knowing you're going to change the world. And I don't know what it is, but when I'm around you, I just think, man, Jacob's going to change the world. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know if you even know, but you have the calling in you and the character for it, for whatever you want it to be. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be what other people have said. It can be whatever makes you go crazy. Like, this is what I love. Go for it. You're going to change the world. And the Lord's going to show you how to use, use that calling to bring glory to Him anyway, no matter what it is. Whether it's in, in the marketplace, whether it's in a church, whether it's, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I just know when I see you, I, I get excited. I really do. Every time I see you, I just think, man, that guy's a world changer. So go find something. Take a risk. Learn some things. Jump off some buildings and see what you're capable of. <laughs> Figuratively. <laughs> we don't want to see you on America's Dumbest or whatever. World's Dumbest. Why would they even do that? All right. Someone pray something stupid. I'm going to ask for the Lord to give us holy, liquid courage. <laughs> Because I was, I was, you watch these shows where people are drive, riding their bikes off of roofs, trying to land it on a smaller roof and then land it on. I'm like, why are they doing that? Because they have liquid courage. They are drunk off their butt right now, and they'll do anything. So you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you're filled with His courage, where you just go for it. It looks foolish, but you go for it. So, Father, last thing, we seal this. Fill us with your courage. Fill us with the boldness that comes from Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's beyond human reason. 
Help us to respond more to your voice and to your realm than to what we see in the natural. That's what boldness really is. You hear me? That's what courage is. To act upon his realm, regardless of what you see in this realm. That's real courage. That's it. Amen? Well, we love all of you. If you need prayer for anything, we want you to come up. I want to bless your families. We bless your families for the Christmas season. We hope you enjoy it. Um, that it's a time of relaxation and fun and um, that your family all comes to know the Lord. But please, if you need prayer, come up to the front. Or if you just want someone to agree with you, we'd love for you to come up and um, bless you. 